Well, good morning, friends. Great to see you. Hey, we've got some folks in the back looking for chairs. If you've got some seats next to you, would you just hold up your hand with how many seats are available? Maybe even scoot to the middle to make those more accessible if you can. And if you're in the back looking for seats, just look for those hands and how many seats. Make a new friend, all right? Sit down and get cozy. Well, it's great to be with you guys. Hey, as we uh, dive in today, you know, a lot of research, counseling, and psychology has gone into understanding the impact of the relationship between the father and their children. And we all know that the father-child relationship plays a very unique and significant part of our lives. It greatly influences, it doesn't determine, it greatly influences um, how we process relationships, especially even our relationship with God, which then will shape our prayer life. Basically, how you see God will shape how you pray to God. Now, I've shared a bit in the past about my relationship with my own father that we had a pretty distant and volatile relationship. I felt his authority in my life, but not his closeness. I experienced his provision in my life, but not relationship. So it would be very natural and understandable that I would experience uh, some negative influence in my relationship with God, and especially my prayer life. But I actually experienced the opposite. Instead of seeing God as unsafe, or as distant, or as uninterested in me, I began to hunger for the father I never had. And I found it in the Lord. And so when I gave my life to Jesus as a teenager, I started to experience the authority and intimacy when I interacted with God, both his provision and relationship. So my prayer life became vitalized by seeing that God did not have the flaws of my earthly father, that he was perfect. And I found myself coming to him in prayer, both reverently because of his power and majesty and authority over my life, but also could come to God relationally because of his love and care and presence and provision in my life. And I know a lot of you can relate to what I'm saying right now. Like you can understand what I'm unpacking. Maybe your experience was similar or very different but you see how your relationship with your earthly father can influence your relationship with your heavenly father and how you interact with him and how it shapes your prayer life. Maybe you had an amazing dad. And really, that was just a foretaste of just how good God is. You know, if my my dad's this great, man, God's going to be amazing. Maybe some of you had a distant father, no father, abusive father. And so it'd be very easy for you to see God as distant and mean and uninterested in you or you uninterested in him. And so how we see God is really going to determine how we approach him in our prayer lives. So as we continue today in our teaching on prayer, I want to hone in on understanding who we're talking to when we pray. Because we can talk about technique and attitude and all that stuff, but it's it's very significant to, to stop and go, who are we praying to? Because if you know who you're talking to, it changes the conversation. And so we need to understand who we're talking to when we pray. Now, there's an abundance of scripture on prayer, but I want us to turn to a passage in the Bible that will be familiar to many of you, and I want to uh, drill down and uh, focus on two words that will really help us see God for who he is, and two words that for understanding them will greatly shape how we pray. So I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 6 through 9. And as you're turning to Matthew, uh, this is a portion of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's the most famous sermon that Jesus ever gave during his ministry. He sat down on a mountainside, hence the name Sermon on the Mount, right? 
And he's looking over the Sea of Galilee and he's speaking to this massive crowd of probably thousands early on in his ministry. And he's touching on all these topics. Well, one of the topics that he touches on is prayer. And so that's where we're going to look at just a portion of some of those prayer verses right now uh, to prepare our hearts to understand this. So Matthew 6, 6 through 9 says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that uh, they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And many of you know what happens from that point forward. Here we have Jesus instructing His disciples on how to pray. It's a well-known passage. It's often referred to as, uh, you know, our Father, the Lord's Prayer. I think when you start to really study the Bible, uh, you can see this is more accurately the disciples' prayer. You look at John 17, and you see Jesus in an extended time of prayer. That's really the Lord praying. But here you have him instructing how to pray. He's teaching the disciples how to pray. And he never intended for this to become a script or a mantra or a chant, right? This is an example. This is a guide. This is a template. So there's nothing wrong with praying through these passages. But uh, we tend to be pretty weird uh, as people. And here we have in verse 7, Jesus saying, don't be like those people who don't know God, who will just have this meaningless repetition. And what's happened for some people is they turn what verses follow in the rest of Matthew into meaningless repetition. It just becomes this, you know, the script that we go to. And so when we look at that, we understand that there's nothing wrong with praying this, but it's empty and misunderstood and impersonal when people just start to recite it on autopilot. And so as Jesus begins this example in prayer, I want us to focus on verse 9, and that's where we're going to find our two words. He says, our Father. That's one of them. This whole concept of Father. And where is Father? In heaven. And so it's influenced by, if you're influenced by the King James Version, you're going to want to say, our Father who art in heaven. And if you're not familiar with the King James Version, you're going to say, I did not know God's name was Art. No, it's not. It's our Father in heaven, hallowed, it's another way to say holy, is his name. And so here we have the two words that will revolutionize our prayer life because they help us to know how to approach God and how to see him, Father and holy or hallowed. So because God is holy, when we pray, we come to him reverently. And because God is Father, we come to him relationally. So let's unpack these two words for a little bit here. We pray relationally to God as Father. The word Father was mentioned four times in the verses we just read. And right now, some of you are still getting hung up on this. You're having a hard time because of what I shared earlier. You had no relationship or a bad relationship with your earthly father. And just hear me on this. I'm sorry that you had a bad dad. I'm sorry about that. But at some point in your life, you're going to have to overcome that and embrace and receive God as the perfect heavenly father. He offers a personal relationship to you with a perfect father that doesn't have the flaws of our earthly fathers. And this concept of God as father existed a long time ago. This isn't new to this moment. If you read the Old Testament, the part of the Bible before Jesus was born, where God was dealing with his people Israel and the historical elements of what God was doing there, uh, this was a concept that was there. It wasn't dominant. There's only a handful of verses, maybe about seven or so, where you see God referred to as father or fatherly. Here's a few of those. Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. 
Psalm 103, 13 says, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And aren't we grateful for that, right? Malachi 2.10 says, do we not all have one father? Has not one God created us? And so prayer should always originate with this recognition that God's our father, the one who gave us life, the one who loves us, cares for us, provides for us, protects us. And when Jesus came online and we started seeing the New Testament, all the, the, the part of scripture from the birth of Jesus into the church and all the you know, church teachings, we see that Jesus dialed up the intimacy factor when he started using the word father. In fact, when we think about Jesus, we know that Jesus was not only the master teacher, but in reality, he was also the master prayer, right? If you want to know how to pray, if you want to understand prayer, look to the life of Jesus. And here's one thing that you'll find that's very interesting. Every single time that you see Jesus address God in prayer in the Bible, every single time he calls him father. Every single time, except for one. And the only time you don't see that is when Jesus is on the cross. And when Jesus is on the cross and all the weight of the sins of all mankind forever, your sin, my sin, the world's sin, past, present, future, when all the weight of all that sin was being put on Jesus and he was feeling the terror and the strain and the relationship with the Father, when in that moment there was no voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I'm well pleased, in that moment when he was getting silence and the feeling of separation from the Father, he quotes Psalm 22 and says, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? But apart from that moment when he was dying as our substitute and sacrifice, apart from that moment, every time Jesus prayed, he said, Father. So if it was good enough for Jesus, probably good enough for us, right? And so we come to that understanding. Now, when he said this example, and he said to pray like this, he was telling the disciples to call God Father. And we have to follow that lead. Now, some of you know this already, but this word Father is the word Abba. It's an Aramaic word that was very common in the day uh, for father, and it was designed to convey the relationship of a child to a father, not merely daddy. I mean, that's a very uh, adorative term to go like from a little child to an adult, but the word Abba actually was a word that captured a father as an adult child to an adult father. And so Abba father is really a term that even Jewish children use for the fathers when they were fully grown. It's a very mature yet affectionate way to refer to your father. So seeing God as Abba, father, dad, means we can come to him in confident relationship. Now, I've got to just take a little detour here and probably hit on a couple things. Some of you are going, wait, I've got a couple questions now. If Jesus is praying, like why does Jesus need to pray? Because we know that Jesus is God. So why does God need to pray and how does this work, which swerves us into the Trinity? You know, which is one of our doctrines of, of faith. So let's just go there for a minute. Why would Jesus pray if Jesus is God? Now, theologically speaking, we come to three understandings on that. One, he was praying as an example. He was giving us an example, his disciples an example. So seeing Jesus pray is very encouraging to us and models for us and gives us an example. Secondly, we understand when you study scriptures, the, the nature of Jesus, the incarnation. He was 100% man and also 100% God right? The hypostatic union, as we call it. And so what happens is you see that in his 100% humanity, especially as a man being raised in a Jewish culture, in a Jewish system, it makes perfect sense that he'll be an active man of prayer. And then we look at the other side and go, but he's also 100% God, which when we see Jesus praying, he's communing with the Father, which is part of the Trinity. And then we think about, well, how does the Trinity 
play out in our own prayer life. Like, can I pray to Jesus? Can I pray to the Holy Spirit? Because we know that when you study Scripture, the Lord is one, the Lord is one, the Lord is one. There's one God. But clearly he uh, is ex- expressed himself and demonstrates himself in three equal personhoods, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So how does that work in our prayer life? Because it's not three gods, and it's not one God who takes turns, you know, kind of transforms into one or the other. Uh, it's this Trinitarian God. It's mysterious. It gives us a headache to try to understand the Trinity, but it's clearly how God's revealed himself through Scripture. So it's, it's kind of beyond our comprehension, but it's not beyond our belief. So how does that play out in our prayer life? How do we pray to a Trinitarian God? And so when we look at this understanding, we understand that although all three people of the Trinity have a distinct personality, the Father's the Creator, the Son is Savior, the Holy Spirit is Counselor and Comforter, because all three persons of the Trinity are God, you can pray to God the Father, you can pray to Jesus, you can pray to the Holy Spirit. But there is a pattern that you see emerge from Scripture. It's kind of a biblical pattern that we see uh, when we look at prayer. And the most common biblical pattern is this. We pray to the God the Father, just like Jesus addressed God as Father. We pray to God the Father in the name and authority of God the Son and in the power of God the Spirit. This is a Trinitarian structure of prayer. See, we can't come to God in our own name. We can't come to God in our own merit. We have to come through the authority of Jesus because Jesus, through his death on the cross, Jesus, through his resurrection, has given us access to the Father. So we have access to the Father through the Son in the Spirit. So all three are actually involved in our prayer life, which is unbelievable. So just a little bit of a, a you know, side rail because we have to go there. But ultimately, we come back to this understanding that this one true God has made himself available to us personally, relationally, as Father. And calling God Father was not reserved just for Jesus because Jesus now is telling the disciples, pray this way. It's an invitation into relationship. It's also very important here to make the distinction that Scripture makes it perfectly clear that God is the Father of all people through creation. So for atheists, unbelievers in Christ, God's their Father through creation. But God is the Father of believers through faith. There's only one way to actually become that true child of God. And it's through faith in who Jesus is and what he has done. Only those who believe in Christ are God's true children in his true family. We look at John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. And so it's through Christ. And this is, of course, referenced many times in Scripture. And so simply put, Know Jesus, K-N-O-W. If you know Jesus, you're a child of God. Know Jesus, N-O, you're not a child of God. This is very important as we understand how to interact with God the Father. And if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, and you realize here in this moment that your prayer life pretty much consists of rare and occasional requests to relieve problems, or kind of a wish list just for benefits and blessings, that reveals a misunderstanding of who God is and can also reveal a lack of relationship with God. It would be no different than a stranger coming into your home making request of you because there's not a relationship there. And so we have to turn to God. We've got to turn away from sin. And if you've never given your life to Christ, that's something you can do today. Turning away from sin, turning away from trusting in yourself, to turning to Christ and who he is and what he did on the cross and through the resurrection from the grave. And so this is a great realization of what's available to us with God the Father. We pray to a person. 
That should be a huge relief. We don't, we don't pray to a force. This isn't Star Wars, right? Okay. We don't pray to a force. Uh, when you study the scriptures, there's, there's a lot of other things that become very apparent. We never pray to dead people. Anyone who's passed away, you don't pray to them. You don't see that in the Bible. You're not praying to Mary. You're not praying to saints. You're not praying to the names of other gods of other religions. When you study the Bible, it's very clear. You come to the Father through the name of the Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the pattern you'll see over and over and again through the Bible. And what a great realization, what a great reminder that we have this Father who's allowing us to get to know him and experience him and be close to him. He's near to us. He's not a God who's distant and far. He's a God who's near. And not only is he this Father who's near, he's a Father who's good. And I know that's hard for some of you because of your background to swallow, but you, you have to take steps to get there. This is, a, this is like the song says, he's a good, good father. One of my favorite verses on that is another teaching of Jesus in Matthew 7, looking at verses 9 through 11. He says, which one of you, if he asks his son for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who's in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Man, if you've experienced the joy of parenthood, you get this. Like you think about your unconditional love for your kids. You think about um, you know, what you would do for your kids. And God's going, you're a sinner. And you've got that kind of love for your kids. Just imagine how big my love is for you. Just imagine how good I am to you. And that's hard for us to fathom, but that, this is a reality that God wants us to understand. And so the reason some of you in this room right now or watching online right now have a weak prayer life or a difficult prayer life or you're suffering in prayer is because you don't know God as Father. You've never learned to approach God as Father. And what that leads to is a lack of relationship with God. You feel disconnected from God, especially if you've come out of very stiff or formal uh, traditional upbringing religiously. It's hard to connect with God as this father who's intimate and close and wants to be near you. And so therefore, we can come to God relationally because he's father. But he isn't just father. Jesus elaborated here. He's our father who's in heaven. And hallowed or holy is his name. So therefore, not only do we come to God relationally as Father, but now we have to get the other side. We have to come to him reverently as holy because he's holy. When Jesus says our Father in heaven, he's not really referring to a location. He's referring to an attribute of God, one who is lifted up. He's above. He's perfect. He's higher than us. He's ruler over us. He's sovereign. He's our authority. God is superior. We're inferior. He is infinite. We're finite. He's almighty. We are all needy. He's dependable. We're dependent. He's creator. We're created. He's sustainer. We're the sustained. And so we understand God has no equal. God answers to no one. God is accountable to no one. There's no equal. And as we saw Moses this last week in our Bible reading plan, as we saw Moses say to Pharaoh, there is no one like the Lord our God. And this is critical to our prayer life because we have to remember to come into the presence of God with awe and humility, to pray reverently, which means to have a deep honor and deep respect. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, we're told, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with what? Reverence and awe. The reason some of you 
are suffering in your prayer life is because you've lost this. You've lost the understanding of how to come to God in his majesty and his might and his awe. Some of you become overcomfortable with God. And what happens is, as we get overcomfortable with God, we get sloppy in our prayers, we get very self-centered in our prayers, and we start to lose sight of even how grievous our sin is. And we start to justify our sin. And we start to be okay with our adultery and our drunkenness and our drug use and our bitterness in our life and whatever, what other type of rebellion we have. We start to get comfortable with it because we forget how high and mighty and awesome God is. For some of you, the reason you're here today or watching online is because God wants to shake you awake and go, don't forget that I'm holy. Do you think for a second that any of us could just stand in the presence of God and be like, what's up? And give him a high five. No. I mean, think about the sun right now. Like, we love the sun. Man, it's bright. It gives us energy. It gives us light. You think about a solar eclipse, man, those things are amazing. Like, you know, an eclipse is a fascinating phenomenon. But here's the thing. We know not to get into a space shuttle and go toward the sun. Why? Because it'll kill us. We also know better than to stare at the sun or even stare at a veiled sun through an eclipse. Why? If you stare at that thing, it's going to fry your eyeballs. So we put goofy things on our face to be able to look at it, right? We, we look at it and go, man, that's amazing. But some of us have lost the awe of God, and we, we look at him, we forget who he is. We haven't veiled our eyes with humility to see God and his might and his majesty and his awesomeness. And we start to turn the tables and know, God, you got to answer to me. I've got questions. And God's going, <laughs> no, 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 you have to answer to me. Let me ask you some questions. <laughs> you can't forget how awesome and holy God is. The word hallowed in that portion of the verse is the Greek word hagiazo. It means to declare holy, separate from profane things, pure, set apart, no sin, flawless. Sometimes it's translated sacred or consecrated. The shorter version of Hagiazo is Hagias, which is translated holy. And so we have this God who's both loving Father and holy God at the same time. He's always Father. He's always holy. That's amazing. And what I love about that is it means that God is separate from our sin, but he's not separate from us. Like, just wrap your mind around that for a second. Because of his holiness, he has to be separate from our sin. But because of his love for us, he's not separate from us. And that's why he sent Jesus. To produce an avenue that we can come and approach him because we can't approach God on our own. We can't come to him with the trinkets of our life and the works of our life and go, look, I'm good enough. The only way to get to God is through Christ. And so some of us have a weak or immature prayer life because we're not in awe of God. And your prayers have become dull and lethargic because you've lost sight of who you're talking to. He's just the big man upstairs. He's just my buddy. He's just the guy who's supposed to knock off and check off my shopping list of the things I want. And we've lost the sight of this amazing, awesome God. And we need to stand in awe of him. No wonder Nehemiah, the prophet, said, Oh, Lord, God of heaven, the great, an awesome God who keeps this covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We should never forget that our God is holy. He's creator. He's sustainer. If God were to take his hand off of this world, what would happen? I mean, we're creatures of destruction, are we not? 
Like when there's no filter on our mouth, when there's no filter on our brain and our mind, when there's no accountability in our life, what do we do? We destroy. We destroy. But by the grace of God who keeps his hand on us and our world, his holiness, his awesomeness, his might, there's hope. There's always hope. And so it's because he's this mighty God, this awesome God, this Father who's in heaven, but also the one who's holy. And the reason that this transforms our prayer life is it helps us understand that prayer is not man-centric. Yes, God wants to answer prayer. Yes, God wants to do good, but prayer really isn't about man. Prayer is really about the glory of God. It means that prayer begins and ends not with the needs of man, but with the glory of God. Prayer is not a personal wish list. Prayer is primarily concerned about who God is and what God wants and how God can be glorified. And we tend to get that backwards. Even Jesus tried to make sure that we knew that. In John 14, verse 13, Jesus said, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be what? Glorified in the Son. Yeah, ask me. Ask me. According to my will, I'm going to answer that. Why? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And so the primary reason we pray is to put God on display. Let me give you a couple examples. We've got all these cards right now in our prayer room. Five names. Five names of people that don't know Jesus as Savior. And we're praying over those names. But if someone, I shouldn't say if, when some of those people come to Christ, okay, is it so that we can go, yeah, we prayed for those names. That was awesome. Is that what it is? It's going, no, look what God did. God saved him. God gets the glory because he's the one that brings salvation. We don't. When you come to God and you ask for physical needs to be met and those needs are met, is it to be like, cool, I pray, look what happened. No, it's like, look what he did. He provided. It's for God's glory when answers to prayer come in our life, even when the answer is no. Even when God says no to our prayer. Because we've been around and around. God answers every single prayer. Everyone. Yes, no, maybe, not now, maybe later. You'll understand. Not that way. Every single prayer is answered. Every single one. Just not always the way we like, right? But all answered prayers for the glory of God. And so does our prayer life sound more like, give me, give me, give me? Or is it more like, Father, may you be glorified in this situation? Father, may your reputation be known. Lord, I want every person to experience your goodness and your greatness. Ian Bounds was a 19th century pastor and author. who's well known for much writing on the subject of prayer. He said it well when he said, prayer honors God, it dishonors self. So if you think prayer is primarily about you, you misunderstand prayer. It's about God. It's about the one who's in heaven, the holy one, the awesome one, the one who rules and reigns over all, and that leaves us to rest in his power and to trust in his sovereignty because he is in charge. So prayer is about God, and guess what? we get to pray to him. Like when was the last time your mind was just blown that you get to talk to God and that he listens and that he speaks through his word and through his spirit and interacts with us? That's just a mind blower. But some of us haven't experienced that in a long time because we don't see God as holy or we don't see God as father. So imagine how tragic 
Just think this for a second. Imagine how tragic it would be if today you knew God just sent down in a loud voice, I'm done listening to you. As of this day forward, I will never listen to another thing you say ever. What if we knew prayer was gone and we could never talk to the Lord again? Like how hopeless is that? How disturbing to us is that? Praise God we have access to our Father. Praise God we have access to a holy God that he made available through Christ. So as you pray, take the opportunity to connect with God as Father and as Holy God. Always Father, always holy. He's higher than us, but he's near us. He's immeasurably above us, yet he's intimately with us. I just want you to think about your prayer life for a minute. Because we tend to go to extremes. We tend to swing one way or the other in our life with God. I'm just going to throw up this spectrum really fast. When you think about your prayer life, which one is more true of you? Do you tend to be leaning on the holy only side? You only see God as holy. You know, you have a high regard for God. You have a high respect for God. He's out there. He's in charge. It's all good. You've got that covered. The problem is if you lean that way and you swing that way really hard, you're going to lack a relationship with God. You won't feel his love. You won't, you'll feel abandoned. You'll feel not cared for. You'll miss the intimacy of God. But if you swing the other way and you only see him as father, you start to get overcomfortable with God and you start to develop a lack of reverence. And you start to forget who you're talking to. And usually what it sounds like is, this is my wish list, right? And sometimes we get a little bit demanding. I mean, can you imagine right now, if you're a parent, your little five-year-old, eight-year-old, 15-year-old comes up to you like, hey, mom, dad, it's gone. Here's my list of things I want you to do. Let's go. Come on, chop, chop. <laughs> Whoa, you're getting a little overcomfortable with this situation, aren't you? But that's what we do with God when we lean that way. And so we want to come center. He's always holy. He's always Father. Therefore, we always come reverently before God. And we always come to him as Father. One of the things that's helped me in that, is sometimes when I pray, I catch myself. Sometimes I'm like, I'll go into that mode, I'll pray, and I'll just start to pray right away. What's helping me is I'll stop. And I'll just stop for a moment, and I'll, I'll envision, I am going into the throne room of Almighty God. What I say and how I say next are very significant. And it changes that moment. Sometimes for you, you just need to give yourself a three-second pause before you start. And here's a great word to start with. Father. Father. All that's conveyed and all that's wrapped up in that. You know, I, earlier I shared a little bit of my story of how discovering to see God as this Father and the intimacy and the authority. Uh, every week we have a creative team and bunch of our team members that work on the worship services and stuff come together and we plan and pray and we prepare for what's coming up. And we were talking about this a couple weeks ago and one of our team members just became very vulnerable about this in her life. And I was like, man, this is, this is beautiful what you're sharing because I think so many people can relate to what you're sharing. And I said, would you be willing to share that? She goes, no. <laughs> and then later she came back and said, you know, you asked me but God told me to. And uh, Melissa often works behind the scenes. You see the fruit of her labor all over with video and visuals and stuff like that. But today we get to hear from her heart a little bit. And so would you welcome up Melissa uh, this morning to join us. 
I'm a horrible millennial here. I actually printed out my things. I don't have a device. <coughs> Pages, they're rough. All right, well, uh, good morning. If there's anything that you guys need to take away from what I'm about to share, it is this. If you tell Chad anything about what God's doing in your life, you're going to be up here next. So watch out, forewarning. Uh, now you know. I wish I knew that. So in reality, though, I actually have a confession to make. Um, my prayer life has been pretty lackluster as of late. Um, I make excuses not to pray. I pray half-heartedly, distractedly, and yes, I've even fallen asleep in the middle of it. So uh, when CBC announced then that 2018 would be a year to really refocus and deepen our prayer lives as a church, I was on board to see that happen with my own life. And that journey for me began a couple of weeks ago when I found myself on my knees beside my bed, awkwardly, but honestly, praying to God. And I was telling him, you know, I'm, uh, I'm out of shape in this discipline in my life. I'm not really quite sure what to say at the moment. So um, thanks for saving me, Jesus. And I guess, you know, thanks for letting me serve alongside you. Just didn't really know what to say. Now, at this moment, I'm kind of just mentally lifting up my hands to him, again, offering up that service. And that's when things went from this rote, mechanical prayer and obedience to this sudden, oh my gosh, why am I sobbing right now kind of emotion. And I got this sudden clarity and glimpse into just how absolutely wretched I am without Christ. And sometimes it seems like even with Christ, I'm still that same depraved sinner. And I was just wondering, sitting there wondering, why on earth would my service ever be fit to give to a king? Why would God want the works of these hands? So I believe that once that moment of utter humility got me out of the way, it really allowed for God to show up with a response that I had never expected to receive. And he showed up as my heavenly father. So before I go any further, here's something you do need to know about me. In the 12 years that I've been a Christian, not once have I been able to address God as father. So I've tried numerous times before, don't get me wrong, uh, but every time it ended with me sitting there mute, that word caught in my throat. So eventually I gave up. I was pretty complacent with having that high, holy, reverential view of God uh, and the head knowledge that, yes, God is supposed to be this ideal heavenly father figure that our own earthly fathers maybe don't live up to. So jumping back to present day again, and I hope you can begin to comprehend the magnitude of what this did in my heart. So instead of this broken adult offering up lackluster service, here in my mind's eye stood like this little girl proudly offering up some messy finger painting thing that children are great at creating and adults are horrible at deciphering. And in comes my heavenly father, coming in, kneeling, and embracing both me and these genuine works of my heart, however much they fall short, because they do. Um, but he embraced it with total compassion and love and comfort. So to be very uncomfortably vulnerable with all of you, sorry, uh, it was a divine embrace that really just touched every part of my being and it illuminated parts of my soul that I hadn't even realized were longing for the care that only God as our father can give us. It really finally hit home to me how unconditionally loved I am, that I am fiercely cared for by the God of the universe and that I am accepted wherever I'm at in my walk with Christ. Oh. So, it's all him. So over the next few days then, 
uh, I began to say it in prayer. Father. I whispered it at first because I actually wasn't sure that it would work this time. Um, and to my surprise, it did. Hooray. So I started using it with greater confidence, now calling out God as my father, cherishing that closeness, security, and just that parental care that I felt in my soul as I prayed. Now I use it with boldness uh, when I pray for those names on my own prayer card, those five people pleading fervently as a child does to their parent, confident now, so much more confident in the power and the might that comes with knowing God, not just as our hallowed Lord, but as our loving Father. So my encouragement to you all, fairly similar to what Chad said, I wrote mine first, I like to think, um, but I encourage you all, take some precious time over the next couple of weeks, over the next couple of days, um, and just spend some time with God. But be very, very aware, aware of what you default to. Do you first call, come to God as your father, or do you talk to him as Lord? Um, and I would encourage you, I challenge you, as God is continuing to challenge me, um, just to use the opposite of what you normally do. It seems simple, it's really, really difficult. Um, but really, the exciting thing here is just to prepare your hearts, um, just to be blown away by what God has to say for each and every one of us when we approach him using both of those aspects of his nature. So, thank you guys. Thank you, Lisa. You know, our, our mission here at CVC is to invite people to new life in Christ. And we know for those who don't know Christ, it means surrendering to Jesus and placing their faith in him as Lord and Savior. But we also know for believers, it means getting to experience freshness and newness as we walk with Christ. There's new life for us every day. Everyone can live new every day. And I love how even, you know, after 12 years of, of, of impasse and just hearing breakthrough. And I know, I know some of you right there, you're going, that's my story. That's my story. My story's like that. The cool thing is, God's still writing all of our stories. There's still more to come. And so I really hope that today, this is sticking in your head and heart, that when we come to God in prayer, you come to God reverently and relationally. It's both. Now, obviously, for you as a believer, just like we've already said, that means to start to, to move the direction you feel most uncomfortable with in your prayer life. As an unbeliever, it means surrendering, giving your life to Christ and embracing this relationship that God offers you. And you can do that today during the rest of the service, during a worship time, prayer time. If you know you need to come to Christ, you can just tell the Lord that. You, just, you don't need me or anyone. You just say, Lord, I'm coming. I believe. I need you. I turn from my sin. I believe in Jesus. Help me understand. Help me grow. Just turn to Christ. Take that first step. And if you do that, you have a response card in your program. Would you mark that, please, that you're coming to Christ? Turn it in the baskets. They're about to come around. And we want to get in touch with you and just say, here's how to take your next step in this relationship with the Lord. If you're online, you can email us at connect at cvconline.org and we'll follow up with you as well. But there's one application I want to invite you all to. And that's this next week. This next week we've set aside something that we call here at CVC Seek Week. We seek the Lord more intensely for this period of time. It's designed to be a catalyst for us individually and as a community. Notice this. When Jesus said, pray this way, he didn't say, pray my father. He said, pray what? Our father. See, he's inviting you into a family. He's inviting you into a community. Yes, it's personal, but it's corporate. It's communal. And so this is our way. Next week is saying, us as a family are going to take every evening over the next week and just come to God more intentionally. And God is holy enough to clear the calendar. And God is Father enough 
but we just want to spend time with Dad. And so every evening, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to be here. There'll be times of worship music. There'll be times where you can just be by yourself in a corner, just connecting with God. There'll be times maybe you'll be in a small group or in a large group, and we're just, we're just praying together. And so clear the calendar. Come to as many nights as you can. With just the attitude of saying, I'm here to spend time with my Father, with this holy God. I invite you all to do that. It's a big application. So I look forward to seeing you guys here this week. Let's pray. And as we prepare to pray, I just want to invite you first to do this. Would you just envision yourself standing before God? Or maybe kneeling or bowing down. This Father, this holy God. In fact, I'm just going to give you just a few seconds here. What do you need to say to Him? What do you need to confess? What do you need to thank him for? What do you need to ask of him? Just talk to him. Father, you are holy and you are high and you're lifted up. You dwell in unapproachable light. And we confess that there's been times that we've been way too sloppy, way too comfortable with who you are. We forgot ourselves. We've gotten comfortable with sin, justified it, dismissed it. Father, we've come to you forgetting that you're awesome. So, Father, fix that in our lives. And, Father, for those of us who've kept you at arm's length, haven't embraced the relationship you've offered, help us to draw close to you. You tell us in your word that if we come near, you'll come near. So, Father, we come near you. God, pray for us as individuals, us as a community, our families. Help us all grow in prayer, Lord. Help us become more proficient, experienced in talking to you, more intimate, more courageous. How we talk to you, Father. We pray such little prayers to such a big God. Help us. Would you change lives? Would you draw people to yourself? And Lord, we pray for this week that all week as we come empty-handed, open-hearted, that you would speak to every person that comes, Lord, in a special way. Grow us, strengthen us. And God, for those who need to know you as Savior, would you give them the courage and boldness to take that step of faith today in Jesus as their Savior. We ask this in your name, and we all said together, in the mighty name of Jesus.